All right, today uh, we want to welcome you to another episode of Experience uh, the Truth. Today we're going to be talking about the Good Samaritan found in uh, Luke 10, 25. So I'm just going to break it open and read that, and then you stop me. Well, what's interesting is there's nothing more truer than this. Yeah. You know, when you experience the truth, mm-hmm. Jesus was pretty clear. He said, I am the way, the truth. truth and life and um, I think for people who are looking for something stable consistent that isn't shaken um, that stands firm in a world that is constantly changing there's really nothing for certain there's like very few certainties in the world around us we're all looking for something certain in fact Mm -hmm. in our study when we talk about hell hell uh, in many ways was a like a bottomless pit. You just keep falling and there's nothing you can grab onto or hold onto. And maybe you feel like your life is falling and, and there's nothing to grab onto. Um, when Jesus was on the planet, he said, uh, you can hold on to me and I'll stay firm in that. I'll, I'll stay. And a lot of people say, well, how do you hold on to Jesus? Well, you hold on to his word. And yeah. I think today we're going to be talking about a word that he gave people who uh, were looking, they were searching. In fact, they asked the question, um, how do I get eternal life? Hmm. And and we tend to think eternal life meant their existence. Like, how do I, how do I live forever? Because hmm. um, everybody at that time was looking for a way to live forever. Yeah. And Jesus saw life differently. He didn't um, see it as an existence because we were already going to live forever. Every one of us, yeah. we were created to live forever. So I asked, how do we have eternal life? You, you have it. <laughs> uh, the question is really the word life. What yeah. was he referring to as life? And you can be living and be dead. Hmm. And maybe you feel like that. You're living, you're existing, but you don't want to exist forever, but you're going to because you were created eternal, but you're living dead. And Jesus really looked at the question. He always answered the question we should ask. And he said, life, what what does life look like to you? What is it? It's stability. It's having a... Uh, something you can stand on that's not shaken. Yeah. It's it's truth you can depend on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're always looking for people we can depend on. Jesus is someone we can depend on, and his word is something we can depend on. Mm-hmm. And they came to him in this chapter you're going to read, in this verse you're going to read, and they said they're really looking for life, dependable, something dependable and certain. And if that's you... You're going to find that in the words of Christ, and we call it the red letters. You're going to find that certainty that was recorded by this man over 2,000 years ago who claimed to be God in Abad, and he gave these words that were recorded so we could really read them and hear uh, the illustrations and the parables that he would tell us that gives certainty, it gives uh, hope, it gives direction, and, and really uh, life. Yeah. In, in our existence. So Luke 10, 25, this is the parable of the good Samaritan. And behold, a lawyer stood up uh, to put him to the test saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Uh, he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. But he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? 
Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by uh, chance, a priest who was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side, but a Samaritan as he journeyed, uh, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he set uh, him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back." Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Yeah, well, it's an incredible story. Yeah. I, I think in this moment, the people who had probably been most offended were the priest and the Levite because <laughs> they were not put in a pretty good light. Yeah, yeah. so who were the, let's, let's explain that. So, so who was the so priests you, and Levites he was talking about? Well, I about? think you got, you got, different characters in the story so yeah. you can really this parable and what's cr- crazy about it is you can break it down in in so many different ways one people will say well if i if i'm a good samaritan i think we first need to settle if i'm a good samaritan and i do nice things for people then i'm going to heaven <laughs> yeah that that's and that's not what jesus was answering he's saying how do you want eternal life mm-hmm. if you want to experience life on this planet and as in heaven you're mm-hmm. going to see people differently, yeah. right? And he's like, I'm going to show you how you should see people. So if I were to look at this, I would say there are different characters, and I'll give an in quick, just a synopsis on it. We can kind of talk about that. Mm-hmm. First, you have the man. Yep. And the man is walking down the path, mm-hmm. and what idiot goes down a road that we know there are robbers on? Mm-hmm. Uh, we could look at that person and say, uh, he deserves what he got, got what because... Coming. He he, you know, he took the risk and he got mm-hmm. what was coming to him, and he got. Now he wants people to to take care of him. He wants people to help them. I mean, think of how many people we look at in our world around us, where we look at them and say they're just getting what their consequences wow. are for their decisions, and we're not going to have any mercy on them. We're mm-hmm. not going to look at them, and they just got to deal with it. Maybe they'll learn their lesson. Yeah. Um, the second one is the robber. There are people out there always looking to take advantage of us and attack, and maybe we're ta- we're that robber where we're taking advantage of people and attacking people and taking what's not ours, and and we're just very and and I would look at it, I would say, in in many ways, we're the man on the path. Hmm. We've done a lot of things that get us in troubles and in trouble. We become victims of our own decisions, not hmm. of even the environment around us, but of our own decisions. We become a victim of, and in many ways, blame God for it. Yeah. Uh, but we become the victim. The robber, I would say, is the enemy. I don't hmm. think it's flesh and blood. I think the robber, in many ways, was Satan. We battle not with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and spiritual forces of darkness. Yeah. You know, we open the door to the enemy to attack us by going down roads he takes us mm-hmm. and the enemy attacks us so the robber in this story i would say really encompasses um the devil and the enemy then you then you have the Pharisees, the priest and the levite that come along and i think in many ways these are religious people yeah. that that speak of all of the things that we should do and are really pretenders of what they 
preach. They're, mm-hmm. It's what religion is. Religion mm-hmm. makes us feel good about our behavior and how we act and never really look at how we're really acting or our real behavior. And then you have uh, the Good Samaritan, which in many ways I believe is um, uh, Jesus. Yeah. Who came and he gave everything. He got off his donkey. He was the king. He got off his donkey and put us on his donkey. Mm-hmm. He took all of the cost yeah. of our bad decisions, and he carried it, and yeah. he paid it, all of the cost. And then he says to them at the end, and I think this is where it's missed, he says, now you go do likewise. I'm doing it. Hmm. I've done it. Now, as, a, as my representative, I want you to go and do likewise. I think it really is a testimony saying, I'm showing you what I do, and if this world is going to see me, they need to see me through you. Yeah. And the Good Samaritan, I really think, in many ways, Jesus was talking about himself yeah. and how he came and he said, your neighbor is everybody and anybody that mm-hmm. you come in contact with that's in that place. Mm-hmm. And he put the challenge out there for us to do that. So the Samaritan, so there's the priest and there's the Samaritan. I feel like a lot of times uh, Jesus would say things uh, to purposely step on some toes to see if people were listening, one, and to really come at that religious spirit. And you see the disparity between the priest, the guy that's supposed to be the man of God that walks on the opposite. He doesn't even <laughs> he doesn't even step over him or like or just like you know turn a blind eye to him. Homeboy literally goes all the way around him, not even paying any attention to the dude that's on the side of the road. And then the the contrary to the the Samaritan. What was the what was the relationship between Jews? I think it'd be interesting for the people that are watching to know what was the difference and you know uh, the importance of why Jesus. There was a purpose why he said the priest and the Samaritan. How did Jews uh, view Samaritans? Yeah, well, priests priests were honored. Yeah, they were viewed as being very highly esteemed in the culture of the Jew, yeah. and the Samaritans were viewed as almost second class citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they had different views on the coming of the Messiah. They, they, they were just kind of viewed as being the outcast yeah. uh, of you know, Israel at that time. And so to elevate, for Jesus to elevate a Samaritan above a priest and a Levite would have been extremely hmm. appalling uh, to the people of that time and would have been a, a direct, it was an obvious slap in the face mm-hmm. of those people listening. And there were always priests and Levites listening. Jesus was viewed as a rabbi. And what rabbis used to do in that day is they would sit and philosophize mm-hmm. about the scriptures, and they would have these discussions and what they think, and they would argue back and forth about about the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus was viewed as being a rabbi, and so they would have been there to discuss. Like this would have been a very common thing for questions to be asked of Jesus and for him to answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, thing, but I mean, he was very. He wasn't. You know. If you wanted to be the high priest or to be in that high council, yeah. you would patronize the uh, high priest and, and other priests because you'd want them to elevate you. Jesus never yeah. did that. He never catered Mm-mm. to the r- rabbis of that day because no. uh, he, const- he was truth. Yeah. All he could speak is truth. Jesus never told the lie, mm-hmm. and so all he could do is truth. So when he brought this up, he was really hitting the religious attitudes um, that we can often see in the church today. 
Yeah. And, and I think there are a lot of Christians that would say, yeah, I agree, it's all about relationship with God, but they have no relationship with God, but they really do approach it in a religious way. They're very religious. Hmm. And, and how do you know that? How do I know that? Well, Jesus gave his life for people. Am I giving my life for people? We live in a day and an age where people aren't saying, yeah, I'm going to give my life for people. Um, I, you know, I got to take care of me first. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to take care of James Bifford. I got to take care of Alex Preston. And then maybe if I have enough left over, I will take care of other people. It's interesting how what Jesus said here. He said the Samaritan uh, came, saw the man, didn't sit there and judge the man for walking the path. Yeah. Didn't sit there and make excuses for why he had to walk the other way. Mm-hmm. He he saw the man and he took upon himself the responsibility to care for the person. Yeah. And and it said that he put got off his convenience hmm. of his donkey and he gave his convenience to that man. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people would say, Oh, I'll give my convenience if it doesn't require me to lose it. Hmm. I'm not giving up my convenience so that you can enjoy my good decisions. I, you, you get what you deserve. So why would I sacrifice my convenience of my donkey mm-hmm. so that you can ride on it? I have a, I had like a, I remember preaching on this one time because a lot of times when we help people or like give to the homeless or like help those that are in need, whether they need a place to stay or like, you know what I mean? Like to em- not going more than just empathizing with someone and just saying, wow, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Like to actually be the hands and feet of Christ. I think a lot of times, especially Christians in America, we look at uh, those situations as an opportunity, but not as a responsibility. Like, no, this is like not like all egos aside this is not just an opportunity for me if i claim to follow jesus when i see someone like you know hungry i feed them when i see someone homeless i give them so just like when jesus in the end of days is going to judge that was his basis of when the people came to him and said lord lord uh you know and they cast out demons in his name and he goes well you didn't see me uh when i was naked you didn't you didn't give me clothes when i was naked you didn't feed me when i was hungry like you didn't let me in and he goes, well, we didn't, we didn't see you. He goes to the least of these, this is how you treated them. And that was me. Like he, yeah. he identifies with, yeah. so as a Christian, I think a lot of times we, we take on this ego and it, and it's really, if it's Instagram worthy, maybe we'll, we'll talk about it or share a testimony, not to, to share it as in, wow, look what God did. It's little, wow, look what I did. I just helped someone and and I'm just such a great person. It's like, no, this is actually a responsibility that we're called to, to live out. And if anybody else were in that position, it wouldn't be like, oh, if you could, it would, like, I would want help if I'm like half dead. Like, it's funny well, when you put yourself in that position. And, it, and it, it's funny. Um, it doesn't phase us yeah. when we see it. No. So, so when we see the need, like the priest and Levite, we yeah. might pretend we didn't see it and walk on the other side. Like if I go over there, it's like I didn't go by it. Yeah. It's like I didn't have to consciously reject it even though I'm doing it until I am it. Yeah. Until I'm the robber. Mm-hmm. And then I'm appalled that mm-hmm. nobody will pick up the responsibility to help me. Yeah. And, and you know, as a pastor, I've seen this happen numerous times where people... Um, will will not be phased by the need of anyone else, and if anything, they'll be the ones saying, "Well, they're getting what they deserve. They should yeah. never have done that." Or, or they and 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 it's as if 
we are more moved by people we know than those we don't know. What's interesting mm. in the story is this Samaritan didn't know this man. There was no emotional tie to this man. He had no idea what his name was even. Yeah. He had no idea really what happened other than there was a man in the ground that needed his help. And he had the responsibility to take care of him because he was a man. Hmm. Now, this opens up the door to a lot of different things, but uh, I, before I get to that, um, those priests and Levites, when you're religious, you know that that's important, like you said, an opportunity and not mm -hmm. a responsibility. But this man said, I'm gonna take the responsibility of that. Hmm. Now, when we see needs and we don't know that person, we think someone else is gonna take care of them. Yeah. But then when it comes time and I'm in need, we're appalled and upset by, I'm hurt by Christians. I'm hurt by the church. Wow. Well, why? Well, nobody came to me when I was in the ground. Let me ask you this question. I've seen this happen numerous times. Did you ever go to anybody hmm. when they were hurting? Did you go out of your way to, to help them? Hmm. And Jesus is going right to the heart of this. He says, if you want eternal life, you go and you help people. Yeah. Our expectation is always, you should come and help me but I don't have any responsibility to help you. Hmm. I, I don't carry that responsibility. Here's a simple uh, truth in the word. You reap what you sow. Yeah. What you sow. Mm -hmm. And we sow into others who are in need because one day maybe I will reap that mm -hmm. or be in a situation where I'll need something. And it's amazing how when you sow that into other lives, there are always people that come and return it back to you multiplied i think it's also like um oh what's the verse where it says you can't love god and hate your brother right where is that yeah you can't like it's just it's funny how in john it says that yeah, yeah you're a liar yeah you're a liar if you love god and hate your brother why and i think we, you've, you've talked about this a lot that like when we look at people like there's they're made in the image of god so when i look at people i see god i see god in people uh, now that sounds even a little bit blasphemous, but it's interesting that that God it would isn't, even say though, that because yeah. God made you in His likeness and yeah. image. You know, Jesus uh, said it to us that that what you used the scripture. You said, "When did we help you when you were in need?" Like when you, He said, "When you helped the the least of this, when yep. that person came to you and you gave them food, it was as though you were doing it to me." Mm -hmm. We as Americans struggle with that. Like yeah. we have a hard time seeing that I'm not doing this for the person on the ground. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing it for Christ. Yeah. That's why we give to things we're familiar with, like mm -hmm. things, and we're cynical about things because we've seen a lot of corruption yeah. in it. So we always question, well, if I give to it and it's not real, then I just wasted my own convenience for something mm -hmm. that's not real. And I think the reality is you have to understand whether it's real or not is not your your problem. Yeah. There was a need, you met the need, you did it as unto the Lord, not to that person. Mm -hmm. So you were Christ to that need regardless. I was demonstrating the character of God to that and and I'm going to meet that need and and I think the other thing is our our uh, view and and even if you're a Christian do you value life human life do you value humans you know they did an interview with people on college campuses and it, and it, this is a telling uh, truth of our culture and and colleges today and it really goes back to how they're propagating um, the value of a human, hmm. right? They asked them, if a human was drowning in a pool that you did not know, or your family pet was drowning in a pool, and you had to choose which one you were going to save, would you save your family pet, 
or would you save the human being? Nine out of 10 college students said they would save their pet rather than a human being. Society has been very successful, atheism especially, that we're just material, that you're no different than their pet. You're just an animal. They've been very good at convincing us. And so what is the impetus in saving a life? I'm going to save what I'm familiar with, what I have an emotional attachment to. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm going to save because it affects me directly. Hmm. In the story of the Good Samaritan, he saves this person. He has no, he gets no benefit from it. But Jesus says he saves them because they are important to, to really, there's, there's value in that person. He sees the value in the person that he makes personal sacrifices to save that life. And we're, we can assume it's because there's value. He sees the value in life. Well, in other, other passages, it talks about like invite those uh, to like your, your dinner party that can't pay you back. Like with a right. nice meal or like gifts or give give to people that you know that can't give back because then you know your where your reward will come from and it's and it's from God. I think a lot of things and that's what I'm working on myself is you know th- there's there was a time uh, there is there is these people on the 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 side of the road and they needed like food right and so me like i i'm thinking i'm gonna be a good christian or whatever and my heart like empathized with them i'm like these people are literally just asking for food and i'm like that's horrible and so i remember going in and just giving them like i was at the grocery store i went and bought them a bunch of stuff then i went to the church and we had some food we have like a food shelf there and and gave them food because that's what they asked for i gave them some money and uh, then I, I kept in contact with them because at that, I'm, I'm thinking I can fix everything. I'm like, hey, we're going to get you off your feet. And, and, uh, and so I remember going uh, to their, their, like their hotel or whatever. And this was like, it was like an hour away. And, um, and then I had a really weird feeling in, my, in the pit of my stomach. It come to find out that I'm pretty sure it was some type of scam. Like what was going on was a little bit, you know, emotionally manipulated uh, which that's where I think the cynicism comes in with people even wanting to help people. Uh, and I, I remember like leaving that. And I'm like, God, like when I give them this money and I was paying for their rent for the hotel, I'm like, God, when I give them this, like, it's not on me. I'm not giving this because I think they're going to use it the right way. God, I pray that my sacrifice and, and, and blessing would just do something different in their life. Like Peter, like said, like silver or gold, I do not have, but what I have, I give to you that something deeper would resonate within them because of my act of generosity and kindness. Would that be like even establishing your presence in their life? Uh, but I don't got to worry about it. Like, cause who knows, like even, even smaller acts of kindness or generosity or love have even in my life, there's people that maybe I've affected that I don't even know just because I was obedient and and I, I made known uh, about his being his follower because the love that I extend, that's what Jesus says. So I think a lot of us are so obsessed with, um, you know, if I give to this, are they going to uh, manipulate my money? Is my money going to the direct exact same thing like that are, are aligned with my heart? Am I like, I'm only generous because this is the mission that I'm trying to accomplish rather than I'm being obedient and I'm, I'm taking this as a responsibility as a Christian, just not another opportunity to pat my ego down. Yeah, and I think 
uh, I think there's a lot within what you just said. You yeah. know, one, you can identify some attitudes in the mindset of a person mm-hmm. who's thinking, is my money going to do these things? Yeah. One, when you give to the Lord, the Lord blesses that. Yeah. Um, you, you, a poverty mentality says, I only have so much, so I yeah. got to really focus on what I give to. Mm-hmm. Uh, a kingdom of God mentality says, God, I am merely a steward of what is his, and he's got an endless supply, and so I'm going to use it to reach whatever I can. And if people manipulate it, I don't need to worry about That's that. They'll be the judge. They yeah. will be the judge is the one who has entrusted it to me, and yeah. so he he will take care of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when you when you think of the need as believers, what is in us? The spirit of the Lord is in us. Hmm. These signs follow them who believe. There are, there are signs, fruits of a tree when Christ is the one who's our root. Yeah. And one of them is if if Christ truly and and as you go through this, we think, oh, the good Samaritan is he's talking about how we should be. Yeah. I think Jesus was really identifying the fact that this is me. I'm the good Samaritan. Hmm. And he even puts himself at to, to identify with the lower class citizen. Yeah. Saying, I am the lower class that you see me in a way that that is less than because you're the you're the the religious, but I I'm just here and I saw a need and I want you to see the need. I don't want you to ignore it. I don't want you to pass by it. I want you to see it and I want you to make sacrifices knowing that in the end you're not sacrificing anything because yeah. I'm going to take care of you. You always reap what you sow. sow. Yeah. And and when you sow seeds in different areas, if you know, it's incredible how you begin to reap and you never reap what you sowed. You reap mm-hmm. in greater measure than you sowed. Yeah. So if you really understand the simple principles or laws mm-hmm. uh, that we apply in this situation, this Samaritan didn't know this person, yeah. but even came back and made sure that the bill was covered even beyond yeah. him being there. Extra he didn't mile. leave and then forget about it. He said, I'm taking the responsibility for this person to get him back to health. Mm-hmm. And I want to be very clear. This did not save them. Yeah. Their question was, how do we have eternal life? We think that's referring to salvation. Jesus mm-hmm. is not taught. They're all going to live forever. He's talking about life. Like, how do you have life on earth? Like eternal life, this eternal life inside of us. Not how do we exist longer. How do I have life in me? If you want life in you and you want to overcome the death that you feel, the emptiness that you feel, he wasn't saying this is the path to salvation so that if you go out and help people, you're going to go to heaven. Helping people doesn't take care of your path to heaven. Being good to people isn't going to help you get to heaven. What Jesus was saying is, uh, if you do this, you're going to experience the kind of life that I have. Now, this is very important. The only way you get to heaven is through Christ. You have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. It's the only way into heaven. Doing good for people isn't going to do that. But when you do that, and when you genuinely invite Christ into your heart, you're inviting that spirit of the Good Samaritan, yeah. who is Christ, if we believe he was talking about himself, mm-hmm. you bring that spirit of the Good Samaritan into your heart, hmm. and that spirit in you works out of you that same spirit of doing. And so, and then you experience life because of the spirit of the Lord is in you working that out, and then you just do it. 
Hmm. And then what the enemy does, like he did to you, is he tries to use the scams that we can get caught up in when we when because we're just when you do that, you become more generous when yeah. you invite Christ in. Then the enemy brings those scams to try to squelch or to tap down the generosity that Christ and 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 get you to cast off the responsibility and eventually even become more religious yeah and and uh, start blaming people for where they how they ended up where they got hmm. yeah it's interesting i feel like everybody's always trying to you know jesus always snaps back with these these clever responses but i had never heard about it like that like uh you think that that's what he was saying when it said teacher what shall i do to inherit eternal life inherit it uh, he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. So that's what you say. You like, he wasn't talking about heaven. That's well, I think saying. what we, uh, yeah, it's, it's eternal life. So what that, what they're asking mm-hmm. is they don't, they don't necessarily understand if you're a Pharisee or a Sadducee would have been the, either the class you would have been in at that time. Hmm. Uh, one believed that there was resurrection after death, the other did not. Hmm. Um, and Jesus came and said, you say there is no resurrection, but there is, essentially. And so when they would come to him, they would say, okay, if there is a, a, a hell and there is a life after this, uh, where how can, and, and, and many of them would believe you just ceased to exist after you died. Um, how do we have eternal life? It was it it was the question that was asked all the time, and hmm. they would philosophize. This was an, an uncommon question. Like when they came yeah. to Jesus, it was an, an uncommon question. How Jesus answered it was uncommon yeah. because how they would answer it typically was love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, mind, strength, all of that. And, and then Jesus put on take down the back, which would not have been said love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. That would have been something Jesus would have introduced and combined two scriptures together and said that's where eternal life is. But you're living for eternity. Yeah. They didn't have that understanding. Today we understand through Jesus that you live like you're an eternal being. So Jesus, they were asking questions and Jesus like you're asking the wrong question. Hmm. So he often answered the question they should be asking. Yeah. So what is life? You should have life mm-hmm. on earth. Yeah. Eternal life you experience here on earth mm-hmm. and or eternal death, which is existence. Either one is existence. You're not ceasing to exist. Yeah. And he said, if you're going to have eternal life, this is what you do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Just fall in love with God. And you're going to experience fulfillment like you've never felt and love one another because there's something gained through a relationship of people around us. Mm -hmm. And to love, and then he tells the story of, he says, well, who's your neighbor? Because this man is a neighbor, somebody you probably know or connect. So describe, and it says he's trying to trap him in a thing when it says in the scripture which is, I don't understand fully why he would, that's trying to trap him. But Jesus then says, well, there, tells a story where this robber or this this Samaritan didn't know the person who was on the path mm-hmm. hurt. 
Well, cause he was, he was trying to trap, uh, it's this, in the study Bible, it was talking about how he was trying to trap him. And this shows like his insincerity of the question because he was trying to justify himself by saying, who is my neighbor is an improper question because the lawyer was trying to exclude responsibility for others by making some people non neighbors. A more appropriate question would be, how can I be a loving neighbor? So he was trying to manipulate and and that's when jesus went to the furthest extent of like yeah you know these people that you really don't like and they're excluded from the you know the god of israel there are the outsiders the that person put to shame the priest the top of the top in culture he goes jesus goes to the extreme all the time how many times should i forgive all the time yeah because what he's talking about is in the spirit that's in us yeah like if there's a standard, he's saying, if that spirit's working in you, it won't only take you to here. Mm-hmm. Like there's not different levels of God's spirit working yeah. in us. If if the spirit of God's in you, it's gonna take you to those extremes. So mm-hmm. how many times should you forgive? Always. If you should love, you should love everybody. Yeah. If, you know, it's always if, you say you don't commit adultery, if you don't have sex with a person that's not, well, I say if you lust in your heart, you've committed it it's it's why because the spirit of the lord in me gives me the ability to do the extreme Mm -hmm. it it's no longer i that do it but he that liveth in me Mm -hmm. that's doing it and that's really the battle in us is the spirit of god in us and then that spirit of sin that's trying to still exist in us yeah well it's like a lot of times when people ask me like you can tell the non-believer from someone that genuinely wants to change their life for christ because it's on the question, well, what's sin? Like, what can I, basically, a lot of the questions that come are like, what can I do until it's sin? Like, what line, what's like the crossing point where I can just reach right up here without actually committing sin? Again, that's Jesus a question. Can you imagine Jesus coming mm-hmm. up saying, Jesus, what can I do to just get away with just it? barely, And he yeah. goes, I don't know you. Who are you? Exactly. I, I, I guess I don't know you. What, what's your name? It's it, like those get rich like quick schemes. Like every commercial that you see is like, do the the least amount of work for the most amount of money. Here you go, join this program, and you can work from home and just look at ads or like well, be a video game. Did you see this new? I saw this new thing on on CNN actually Saturday morning. They were this girl got on got on and and she's a, you know a younger generation. Yeah. She said she's written this whole thing about quiet quitting. Quiet quitting? Quiet quitting. That there are people that have probably even been quiet quitting Hmm. and not even knowing there's now a name to it. And what it is, is people saying that uh, in our past, as a country, as a nation, we would give our life to our work. And we would we wanted to go through the ranks and be promoted yeah. and grow and lead and accomplish great things through our job. And today, people are saying, we don't want that anymore. So they do the least possible they need to to keep a job. They don't go out of their way. They just say, what's my job description? I'm only going to do what's hmm. in my job description. I'm not doing anything more. I'm not going to advance my business any more than I need to. And I'm only going to do just what I need to do. And I think... Mm-hmm. And a lot of times in the church, we're like, okay, I want to check the boxes. That's religion. Yeah. Like, dude, you're in religion. Like, the Spirit of God and this relationship with God, we're inviting God to come in. The questions we don't ask is, what must I do to have eternal life? Mm -hmm. And Jesus goes to the extreme with the rich young ruler and says, sell everything you have and come follow me. (laughs) Yeah. 
So people will look at that and be like, so everybody has to do that? Yeah. Or like, they go, then that's, just, that's the not, craziest. You're missing it. You, the point was, he was, it wasn't about the selling everything he had. Mm-hmm. It's saying, you have to sell out for me. Like, this yeah. is a relationship. I want you to go I'm all priority. in with me. Yeah. yeah exactly. and, and many believe that he was Joseph of Arimathea that walked away. But it was also Joseph of Arimathea that came back at the resurrection or at the crucifixion and really did give away. He God's gave his tomb. tomb and gave everything back. This that and many believe that it was the same person. Which that have been crazy. I remember you telling me that. I'm like, Whoa. yeah. That's it. but Jesus makes it. The thing is, is like people look at all these different you know rules and, and I'm like, bro, like you're missing it. Like the 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 law is summed up in this: love your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind, spirit, and then love your neighbor as yourself. That is literally if you do that, there's no sin. Yeah, there's no sin. Well, the sin is identified as he that knows to do right and does it not to mm-hmm. him is sin. Exactly. Right? But when you come to Christ, He takes you out of the world of sin and yeah. He sets you in the planet of grace. Yeah. Right totally different thinking that's mm-hmm. why he says repent go to the utmost extent then right. because your love for him right and when you believe in your heart that christ has paid for all of that yeah you would do everything for christ mm-hmm. but it's not just praying a prayer and no. it's not just saying now i'm a believer mm-hmm. believing is doing yeah so uh it's it's always amazing to me when people say what do i need like what can i do and get away with where it's not sin yeah and i'm thinking you don't understand this at all do you no you you don't have any comp it's almost like simon the sorcerer who says well how much would it cost for me to get that power you have yeah and peter's like you are broken and and like lost and you're bringing curses upon yourself because you're messing with things you don't understand Mm -hmm. um it's it's not that's not what it is that's yeah. not this relationship yeah. that we have with Christ mm-hmm. it's not sitting there like how how it's like a husband it's like a husband to a wife and if you're a woman maybe you can appreciate this and if you're not flip it think of it the other way them coming say now how much can i flirt with another person <laughs> wow that's a good and not get divorced <laughs> how much can i do that Wow. Would you consider that love? Well, probably not. I have not. That's like I'm. I'm definitely using that. Um, yeah, that that is a great way because that's how Jesus even refers to it. It's like you guys are like prostitutes, except prostitutes get wages for their yeah. their works that they do. It's like you keep running off, and and he's the faithful one. Well, and and the other thing is you don't understand the the nature of sin, sin disobedience, and sin. Mm-hmm. It hurts you. Yeah. It's like, it hurts you. Mm-hmm. It's not, God's not, it's not like God's begging for you. I'm just yeah. be- like, he needs to beg for you. He loves you and he wants yeah. you and he longs for you. And wants. But he's not, it's not like God's down here and you're up here and God will just be lucky if he gets me. Yeah. Like, we're the ones that walked away from God. Like yeah. he's our creator. Yeah. And, and it's like, we keep coming. It's like when you say, okay, you know, I don't know if I really want it. it, it what? Yeah. I mean, it, it makes just, no sense. That's what I, I talk about all the time. I'm like, like, let's get the perspective right. Because if you're not first brought to humility, you won't be able to perceive the savior. That's the thing. Pride keeps you. God opposes yeah. the proud. And there's a lot of proud people in America because it's all consumed. It's like, okay, I see a lot of this and I, I absolutely hate it. 
because I don't need to sell anybody on Christ. I am not going to be a salesman Mm. because what I have is great and it's life. And Jesus does not need to bend to your will. He art, his body was broken for you. Like you can't manipulate God to do whatever you want to do. It's so like narcissistic to think that he has to bend over backwards. If he really gave you breath in your lungs, that he has to bend over backwards just for you to like him. Like, do we really believe that? And I'm like, take the Christian God out of it. Let's just pretend there is the God of the universe that created everything and put breath in your lungs. Take religion out of it. Take, if there's a creator and you're just an agnostic, do you really think you have the authority or position to make judgments on a God that gives you breath to even utter those words? It's yeah. just such a crazy well, thought. And, and it is. And, and if you look at the Samaritan, for hmm. instance, so let's put in the narrative of the Samaritan. Yeah. It, we don't have a name for this guy. Yeah. So let's call him Chuck. Chuck. That got hurt. Chuck was going down the path. Somebody mm-hmm. came in. I just think it's Chuck's a good word because, you know, if you're, if he's rich and wealthy, he could be Charles, you know, and if, you know, just Chuck, Chuck seems like a good name, right? So Chuck, Chuck got beat up. Yeah. And this good Samaritan comes along, picks him up. He's going to die on the ground. Yeah. Chuck is dead. Chuck's dead man dying. He's, (laughs) but along comes the good Samaritan, picks Chuck up, chucks him on his horse. Yeah. (laughs) And, and. It's a long path, yeah. but this good Samaritan, he walks the path. Mm-hmm. He brought his donkey so he wouldn't have to, yeah. but Chuck is dying. He took on the responsibility of Chuck's life, puts him on, gives him life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Pays his bill so that Chuck doesn't have to figure out how to pay because he's been robbed, mm-hmm. right? He sets Chuck up. Mm-hmm. What if that man, he, Chuck comes back to see that man Do we ever see a scenario where that man says, you know what, Chuck, if you want me to like you, you're going to have to do more than what you just did. Yeah. It's absurd to think that that man wouldn't be grateful. Yeah. Because he saved his life. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. That man would probably do whatever he could to show Chuck he loved him. Yeah. Because Chuck saved his life. Mm-hmm. Do you know why Christians were martyred in the early church? Because the, they knew Jesus had saved their life. Yeah. They were willing to die for Jesus, for the good news. Where else should we go? Because mm-hmm. he, he died for them. Yeah. And they knew there was something beyond this place. Mm-hmm. They, they were committed to that. They, yeah. there was, they didn't have to force themselves to believe it. Mm-hmm. They just believed it because of what he did for them. Yeah. And it was real for them. In, in our case, we, we only see God as a genie. And we've been, like the church for years, has been preaching this genie God, do these things and this will have... God is already, like he created you. He gave you life. He's not a dictator, dictatorial God. He's not sitting there... Um, uh, because quite frankly, if God created you and he created you for his pleasure, if you don't fulfill that pleasure that he created you for, you're useless. Yeah. And he could discard you in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And if we had a God that was merciless, Mm. that was mean and rude and what people try to draw him up as, you would be done. Yeah. The fact that you're still here 
after what you say about him, mm-hmm. the fact that you still breathe and you live after how you treat him and mm-hmm. comment about him and tear him down says he's a good God. He's a merciful God. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I had someone in my, my DMs telling me just yesterday how like all Christians need to die and that you serve an effing terrible God, Effenheimer this, this and that, and like going on and on and on. And, uh, and I told, like, this is always what I say. I'm like, okay, it sounds like you believe in that there's this God, right? He says he doesn't, but I'm like, how can you have so much hate for a fairy tale, right? And I'm like, if he is really, yeah. he's, if he's actually real, don't you think he's a bit merciful if you still got breath in your lungs from the words that you speak? Because he was trying to say specific keywords and was like, see, I said the, the, the word that you should not mention, Yahweh, and look at nothing's happening to me and this and that. I'm like, yeah, because there's blood for that. And when you meet your, your either Jesus comes back the second time or you're at the end of your life and you got to stand before him. It's not a place you want to be because you really expedited all that mercy that you had here uh, as the sun rises on your face. Like, it's crazy. It's just evident of God's love. Yeah. No one, you know, I was watching a TV show one time, and and again, it goes back to the Good Samaritan. Mm -hmm. He did this because he loved that person. Mm -hmm. He didn't know the person, Yeah, but he loved him. And and, and a verse that's so true, you will be known by your love for one another. Mm-hmm. How do people know we're Christians? Not because we've got great theology, not because mm-hmm. we're great preachers, it's just we love people. And, yeah. and how do we know God's good God? Hmm. Because that person can say all that he says about God. Yeah. And God loves him. Yeah. Like God sees through all of that hatred. He mm-hmm. sees through all of the hurt. And if you're listening and you hate God, isn't it interesting? And, and I just... A missionary just sent me an article of a guy telling testimony that he was an atheist Arab. He was Muslim. He became an atheist, and and he would debate everybody. And he said, now he's a believer in Christ. And they asked him, why are you a believer in Christ? And he said, because I never could understand why people could debate all of the other religions and be civil. But when it came to Christianity, they got angry. Yeah. yeah. That that they were, he said their, yeah. their attitude changed mm-hmm. and how they attacked, like they literally would attack Christianity with a vitriol. And he said, I knew there was something different about Christianity from all the other religions because of how people acted around it. Hate. And he said, the more I began to reach, he said, I began to read the Bible and the revelation of truth hit me more than I had ever seen before, more than any book I had read before. Hmm. He said, I realized this is real. Wow. And I discovered Jesus and it's changed my life. And he said, you can say, I wasn't brought up this way. It was brought up a totally different way. But he can say, I, I can tell you, I had an experience with a living God yeah. and it changed my life. Mm-hmm. And he says, now I love. And he says, what's interesting is I understand why people hate Christians mm-hmm. because of the incredible love that they have for people. And if you're a Christian and you say, well, how do I know if I'm a Christian? Well, the Bible's, it's not if you don't smoke and do drugs and we make it all about those behaviors that are really kind of surface behaviors and Mm -hmm. have really nothing to do with a relationship with Christ. You may act like what we think a Christian should act like and not be a Christian. Yeah. What separates you from everyone else is you love the unlovable. Wow. 
If you're going to be a follower of Christ, which is what Christian means, you need to hear the voice of the Lord. You'll never be a follower of Christ if you don't have ears to hear. And Jesus always says that. He that has ears to hear, let them hear. Almost every parable, he says that. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. But if you're going to be, if you want to know if somebody's a believer, watch how they love people that aren't easy to love. Watch how they love people that attack them. And you can say, I know they are a believer because I saw the love they had for people that hated them. Look, and Jesus showed it when he's on the cross. Lord, Mm -hmm. forgive them. They don't know. Forgive them. Don't hold this attitude of crucify me against them. They don't know. It it's just and he demonstrates it in the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. It's a and and for those of you like for like grief, there's a lot more we could talk about. But for for those of you that are listening, I feel like you're gonna you're gonna listen to this, and then you're still gonna be like, okay, how many neighbors do I have to love until I yeah. get, get eternal life? How many neighbors am I going to ignore? Yeah, exactly. The like, spirit I, of the priest. Yeah, am I supposed to be like a Mormon and Jehovah Witness? Just go door to door and then, hey, I love you. Like, <laughs> ding dong, love you. Like, see you later on their ring. But what's interesting is, is, yeah. is why not? Yeah. Why aren't we more neighborly with people? Mm-hmm. Why is it that Christians find themselves uh, more connected to people in the church and never try, like they get all of their community in the church. Utopia. But they they don't go out and create relationships with people in their neighborhood that God has planted. They're missionaries, they're, they're yeah. evangelists in that neighborhood. Why aren't, they, do they know their neighbors? And mm-hmm. how hard is it to take a, a, some bread mm-hmm. that you make or cookies? I mean, unless they're horrible, don't do that. But, mm-hmm. or, or do something, because you may go over and get to know someone and find out that they needed you. Yeah. Um, there, there are people in neighborhoods, I've led numerous people to the Lord in our neighborhood without ever preaching to them, but they, they would come back to me and say, you can help my marriage. Will yeah. you help my marriage? And we're not believers in God, but can you help our marriage? And I'd be like, yeah. And eventually they invited God into their life because they saw the love we had for them. Cared. Yeah. yeah. People want people don't want to hear what you got to say. They want to know that you care. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, you know, people, people are always asking me like, well, what do you got to gain in this? And what do you, I'm like, do you think I went into ministry for a paycheck? Like, yeah. uh, that's what I always say. I'm like, what, what do you think I have to gain in this? Like, okay, that's really logically think about this. If there was really something for me to gain by trying to, you know, expose myself to criticism, because I understand that this does not make sense to the world. And why would I put myself out there and telling you this? If it was for a paycheck and the church is just money hungry, then if it's really easily manipulated and it's that corrupt, why don't you join it and just get a quick buck? Like, well, it, you made a great statement, and I think we should address this. The church is just money hungry. Mm-hmm. There are 300,000 churches in the U.S. Yeah. Right? There may be a few that misuse funds, mm-hmm. but most of them, by far, yeah. use the funds they give to help people. Yeah. It is a lie of the enemy that you believe if you think churches are money hungry because we're helping people around the world. Mm-hmm. You don't look at all of the causes you see on television helping your the dog. You don't get all worked up about those things. I mean, the church is and has been the central path 
yeah. to helping people in their lives yeah. for years and generations. Mm -hmm. The church has been the most generous organization in the entire country. Yeah. And around the world, they help way more than a Red Cross or any other organization. They are mm -hmm. helping people around the world. Places like Convoy of Hope, which is feeding people around yeah. the world. So come on. There's there's an attitude in our heart that wants to hate that because somebody told you that churches are money hungry. If you've never stepped foot in a church and you've never heard a message or you've never seen the results, stop stop speaking out of school. Yeah. Unless you've been there, unless you've seen it, unless you've experienced it, just stop. It's you wanting to hate the church. Yeah. And it's the enemy getting you to hate the church because the church is probably the answer to the instability and uncertainty in your life. And he wants you to hate the very thing that can set you free from that and give you life. Yeah. And that's what Jesus was really saying. Are there believers out there that don't love like the good Samaritan? Of course there are. Of course there are because they're imperfect. But... Uh, imperfect beings that are becoming like Christ. But that is no reason to then attack everyone who's a part of it. And you would hate to be attacked uh, for actions of other people in your business. Yeah. And, and so you're going to reap what you sow. And it's a principle you aren't going to get by. It's the law of, of, the, of the harvest that we live in uh, in this world. And so I would really encourage you, one, if you're a believer, to recognize that God was the Good Samaritan in your life yeah. so that you could live with the spirit of the Good Samaritan in you, that the spirit of the Good Samaritan, God, is in you. Mm -hmm. And he wants you to be that to the world. Uh, and so like, you know, when I'm, when I'm joking about like those that are watching are saying, okay, I got to start going door to door, just like how many people until I'm saved, that's not what we're talking about. But I think the problem, when you start to understand one, how much you've been forgiven, you mm -hmm. start at humility, like, and I think it's really recognizing, not operating out of shame, but recognizing, wow, like I was once an enemy of God, not just because of my really bad sins, but I was imperfect and my sin uh, was paid for by a man named Jesus 2,000 years ago that suffered terribly on a cross that should have been me. Like if you want to talk about, don't even you don't even need to look at your sin or dwell in your shame. Just look at the cross and see what you did to that man that on that cross out of his love freely laid down his life to purchase you that you were bought with a price. And so because I'm bought with a price and I've I've been given love that I didn't deserve, it was nothing that I earned. And if God can forgive me, I'm going to let everybody know and extend that same grace and that love that Jesus did for me because he loved me first. That's the reason why I love. I'm going, you best believe this big mouth is not going to shut up, shut up about how much he loves you. So if you've gotten anything from this, this podcast, if you're not a believer, Jesus loves you. He loves you a whole, whole lot. If you wonder well, show me the evidence. Look, 2,000 years ago, a man by the name of Jesus Christ died on a cross, paid for your sins, so you don't have to taste death. Now, this is episode 27, and this podcast is called Experience the Truth. The reason why it's called Experience the Truth is not that it's some, I feel like, woke podcast or some, or it sounds like a conspiracy in a way, uh, podcast. The truth 
has a name and his name is Jesus. He is absolute truth. He's solid ground for you to stand on. And he's also the roadmap to your life. He claims to be in John 14, 6, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes into access to the Father or eternal life without him. And he wants to encounter you. So again, if you have ears and you're listening to this podcast, I pray that you would hear. And if you're a Christian, let's start taking this life as a responsibility and loving our neighbor. We love you guys. We pray that this blessed you and that we would love to hear the testimonies of uh, what happens uh, starting, starting today. We love you guys and we'll see you guys next week.